Welcome to State of the Nonprofits. I'm your host, Autumn Vest, Executive Director of MSS. Nonprofits are the heart of any community, and here in the Permian Basin, it's no different. This podcast is designed for people who want to make our community better. The ones who work in nonprofits, serve in nonprofits, or the ones who are just beginning to seek out a way to make life better for others. This is where we'll talk about the challenges and hurdles facing our nonprofits and the people we serve. We hope to discover and share some incredible stories of impact and success. One of the most fascinating relationships in any nonprofit is the relationship between the board and the staff. And really digging into that is the relationship between the board president and the executive director. So in this episode today, I am excited to sit down with the executive director of Agape Counseling Services of West Texas and the board president of the Midland Odessa Symphony and Corral. In 08, it's the same guy. So Tom Elrod, thank you so much for joining me today. You have had an interesting journey into nonprofits. How did this happen for you? Sure. As a West Texas guy, I've been, uh, with, the, with the exception of a few years off at Texas A&M, I have been out here in, in this part of the world all my life and even for generations we've been out here in West Texas. So this is home. Mostly for a bunch of years, I sunk my any volunteer time into my church or maybe into my daughter's school. And uh, around 2012, due to some life circumstances, I had some more time and had a little more freedom. And I, I began to do a little more in the nonprofit world with, with some volunteer work. I am not a sit on the sidelines kind of a person. I really enjoy leadership and I enjoy opportunities. And um, I got to, got to be on on a couple of different boards and pretty quickly uh, found that I enjoyed finding opportunities for myself and inviting others. By 2016, I had uh, developed a, fr- a friendship and a relationship with the guys over at uh, Nonprofit Management Center, Lori Johnson and the team over there. And I, I was not in the nonprofit world at that time. I was uh, a general manager of an oilfield service company and busy with, with running guys all over West Texas and New Mexico mm-hmm. and doing, but I loved my nonprofit work. And that that year in the uh, executive leadership training taught me uh, the value that it gives back to our community. Just to to say it quickly, a a little conversation led to more of a conversation and uh, it'd be a whole different discussion. But I ended up over to Agape Counseling uh, with Michael Ballard and uh, we lost Michael the next year. But I got to be the one to take over the helm of an organization with so much potential and so much opportunities and did just great work. And uh, I turned a little bit of knowledge in the business sector uh, and a heart for nonprofits into a chance to uh, to lead Agape. And so now, four and a half years later, it is truly my love being a part of Agape and being an executive director is exactly where I believe I should be. Oh, I agree with that statement 100%. So I enjoy getting to work with you, Tom. I mean, you are a tenant in the MSS building, so you and I get to connect quite often. And though our missions don't always find opportunities for us to collaborate as an agency, I see a lot of ways that you and I are able to collaborate and learn from one another. I learned a lot from from you. I consider you a good friend and again, mentor. You are right where you need to be. So I think it's interesting though, too, you talk about you stepped into Agape and there was lots of opportunity and there was a lot of challenge over the last couple of years specifically. Tell me a little bit about how Agape has changed for you. So for anybody that doesn't know about Agape, we are a nonprofit state licensed clinical counseling agency. So we deliver mental health care to those in need across our community, across West Texas, 
in and we purposely became a nonprofit because we wanted to be able to do this where we served anyone that had the need, not just someone who could write a check. We now have a bunch of state licensed counselors, about 14 on staff. Before, uh, everybody would walk in the door and they'd check in with a receptionist and they'd go into a room and close a door and be in a tight space. All of a sudden, the world changed when people had to stay home, when they had to separate, when they had to do these things. One of the things that we were dabbling in was, some people would like to call it teletherapy. We like to call it secure video counseling. We love the word secure because it is uh, encrypted audio and encrypted video. Mm -hmm. So our team amazingly accepted that if we were going to survive, we were going to continue to do the care that we needed, it was going to be different. So we found a proprietary software, put that to work, got all our, our people together, learned how to use it quickly. It was easy for individuals to use. And all of a sudden we were delivering care through a video conference when we never even knew that was possible or that people would accept it. We never wanted COVID to come into our lives. Never. But what it did was it allowed the normalization. Mm -hmm. It allowed video to become an acceptable form of communication. Mm -hmm. And what people realized over now thousands of sessions later, we realized that once someone, as long as they had a good internet connection, that after about three to five minutes, they forgot they weren't in the same room. That is interesting. I would say two things to that. I think it normalized not only that remote communication and connection, but also normalized talking about mental health and individuals seeking out that sort of support and care. It did. Uh, people that maybe wouldn't have ever come before because it was either hard to get away or the intimidation of being in person, actually. I didn't. That was one of the things that we didn't anticipate was we actually got phone calls from people that might not have ever called before because it was simply too intimidating intimidating to walk in a door, and now they were able to do that care. Uh, fast forward through a couple of years of COVID, and uh, we the ups and downs that, that our whole world faced, and hey, everybody, it's time to come back, and it's normal. No, 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 go back home again. We decided not to ride that roller coaster, mm -hmm. and um, and we stayed with a, a primary uh, video connection for for more than a year and a half, and uh, to not to not do the go back and forth. We have now in this age where we're we're trying to to find a more normal circumstance, we now have a hybrid going on. If someone would like to come in the office, they're welcome to come in the office. If they benefit from in-video connections, we welcome them that way. We actually have uh, expanded our care because we now have clients in Andrews and Stanton. Uh, we previously had a client that was all the way down in Fort Stockton and one in Alpine. It's hard to find clinical care uh, at the professional level in a city the size of Midland or Odessa. Yeah. Imagine how hard it is in the little towns. Yeah. So we never invited COVID in, but it changed the world for us. And it made actually, it made healthcare more accessible than ever. And now in this hybrid format, we serve more of the everyone that we always wanted to get to. You're meeting people where they are, whether it's in person or, or where they're at home and comfortable. And that's really phenomenal. Absolutely. In moving forward, we will continue to have, we have offices in Midland and Odessa, uh, one here in Midland Shared Spaces where, where you are. Uh, we will continue to see people in those offices. We will continue to to serve those. Although our, our, our clinicians are licensed to serve clients all over the state of Texas, we focus on 
only our local area, this West Texas area, and serve it in a stronger way than ever before. That's incredible. So I want to set aside a little bit that conversation and talk about the other hat that you wear a little bit. Um, And then I want to come back and I want to talk about how those two roles are are kind of coalescing for you. So in your board president hat now, you are the president of MOSC. Yep. So uh, the Middle Odessa Symphony and Chorale, MOSC, is a 59-year organization. We're kind of getting excited to celebrate 60 years next year. So it's an organization with a huge, long, long history in West Texas. I became a, a, a part of helping with the Symphony Guild, one of the a, a separate nonprofit that's a fundraising wing of our local symphony. And uh, my daughter became a symphony bell, and I got to, to help and volunteer and do and, and uh, serve two years as president of that uh, Symphony Guild. And that took me into as first a, a simple volunteer and then as a board member and uh, then uh, working my way as an officer. I fell in love with this local organization. Organization. It's very different from the other work I do, mm-hmm. but where I where I saw uh, my connection there was that I loved the product they were putting out, mm-hmm. and I got to be instead of as a staff person, as an ED or someone on that on that end, I got to be that volunteer who could could provide leadership and and guidance. So I got the joy of being able to be the person that walked through all those steps together with friends, together with the staff. And uh, eventually, now as a board president, I get to be uh, someone who understands the nonprofit world very well and uh, can put time in as as a local leader. So I think you've kind of, you've already started where I want to go in this conversation as you're talking about you coming into this board service with a knowledge of nonprofit, obviously with your work through Agape, with the learning that you had with Nonprofit Management Center and the incredible program that they have with NELC. So how has being an executive director made you a better board member? That's a great question. It's the kind of thing I visit with friends that are board members with with the Symphony and also with my current board members at Agape is how do we work best together? And um, when I was thinking about this earlier in our conversation, one of the first things that that came to my mind was is that it allows me to remind people how important a full communication loop is. Mm. Uh, it is it's easy for me as a board president to stand up at a podium and talk about things, or as an ED uh, to uh, send out emails to board members and volunteers, letting them know about things. If I don't hear back on that, mm-hmm. or if if I'm the one receiving the information and I don't complete that feedback loop then uh, we are missing out on an opportunity to progress. When I, as the ED, get information out and remind my board members, hey, guys, I need you to not only hear this, but I need you to to be sometimes to be the contrarian, sometimes to be my advocate, sometimes to be that person in the middle that says, are you sure? Can't we have other options? Mm-hmm. Uh, the alternative is on in, in the, on the board so that, so that we can complete that feedback loop to the staff members at the symphony. And we can say, as a board, we're not just satisfied with hearing what's going on. We both want to be advocates and we also want to be the question askers. Mm-hmm. We want to be those people that say, why would you want to do it that way? Justify it. 
I think that's fantastic. That's something Mark Condrup on our MSS team, one of his favorite things to say is questions are not questioning. And he's absolutely right. I think it's so important that we as executive directors of nonprofits welcome the opportunity to justify because it helps us find some of those gaps that we may have missed. And I think maybe that's one of the challenges that we have is welcoming that in a way that is productive for all parties. Absolutely. There's a long time running joke of, of executive directors that, oh my goodness, if I could just get my board to agree to everything I ask. <laughs> But the, the alternative of that is, is if if that's all we ever got, yeah. if, if all we ever got was patented approval, we would not challenge ourselves. We would not exactly. get better. Uh, I want my board out there and I, as a board member, want to be the kind of person that says, let's think of the program that's never even been conceived yet in this organization. Let's find the funding to be ready for that program so that a year from now, two years from now, next week, whenever it comes up, that we never even anticipated this would be something we would do. And all of a sudden, it is right. We are prepared. And we, you don't get there by accepting average. You exactly. need to be prepared. You know, with with the the dollars have to be there. The the uh, the people in place to do the work. And so, as a board member, I would always challenge my friends: ask the questions and be prepared to follow up with. How can I either advocate for that, or how can I do the work? I appreciate that. I think that is something that nonprofits can never have enough of is advocacy and advocates. Um, I think that we as nonprofit leaders can be advocates for one another, but we need a, we need a village. It, it truly is that way. I know it seems a little bit overstated, but having a village and having a team around, around your passion really can do so much for a nonprofit. I love what you're saying. And I, I totally agree. When, uh, when I think about the work that I get to do as an executive director, uh, I get to dream, dream the big dreams. But if I don't have a board, if I don't have, and in particular, let me, let me speak to this. Mm-hmm. A board can't just be a, a group of people. A board has to be the people that want to come do the work and a few leaders inside that board. This is essential. I think we I think we need to remind ourselves Mm -hmm. you need when you're building your board, find people that aren't just willing to come to meetings, but find people that are willing to be leaders for your board to get the organization where it needs to go. And I think that sometimes we put people in boxes and we think about them in particular ways and, and by whatever their craft is or their their job experiences. And so I think that we would be surprised by looking for leaders in maybe some of those unexpected places. And I know that's something that you've been working towards. I'll give you a, a, a little simple example. We have a new board member, uh, no names, but uh, she's in the banking industry. And uh, so someone said, oh, well, I guess she's going to be on your finance team. And she said, oh, no, no, no. That's what I do for a living. I want to do this because I want to challenge myself to do new things and to help in ways that I hadn't really imagined before. She said, put me on. And we talked about opportunities. That was exciting to me. Yeah. And um, and those those type of people coming into the nonprofit sector uh, with board service will get us farther down the road than we ever could have before. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's what is so interesting, though. It is it is a dance. Um, I've heard Lori Johnson say it with Nonprofit Management Center. I would echo that. It is definitely a dance between the board president and the, the board as a whole and the executive director and the team. Um, sometimes the executive director is leading and sometimes the, the board is leading. And how, how do you navigate that then going kind of back and forth? How have you learned the differences between the, that kind of who takes lead and who doesn't? I guess the way I would say that is if, if you have the right ED, mm-hmm. uh, then then they need to, because they are the, the boots on the ground, they, they know more than anyone else in the whole world uh, where that organization is at this particular time. For me, this is a, a, my perspective. Sure. Uh, that they need to be the leader in new ideas and that, that you as a board or as a board president uh, need to perpetually, continuously challenge them to, as you said earlier, justify your work, mm-hmm. but also to find what is that next thing. Nonprofit organizations in the 2020s cannot stand still and rest on their laurels. Hallelujah. They must be moving forward. And I know it's painful. I know it's painful, but change is not only acceptable and normal, but it is the only way to survive into the future because staying the same equals going backwards. So going back to your question, I believe the executive director needs to find those things. And then you need a board president and you need board members who are willing to go find ways to get it done. That's awesome. So, okay. So I ask you the question of how being an ED made you a better board member. How has being a board member made you a better ED? Wow. I'd probably go back to uh, the being being a board member as, as maybe a better ED because I appreciate more that board members are volunteers. And uh, it's maybe better ED because uh, it helps me to understand better if I ever have a frustration over getting things done Mm -hmm. that we just need to look at a different way because these people that are volunteering for all the different boards across across our community here, they want to help, but they all have different amounts and different expertise to put in. And so the being the board member has I've learned as an ED. It is up to me to find that strength in that individual and then cultivate it, not try to fit them into a peg that they didn't really even come in to do. Very well said. Can't fit a a square peg in a round hole. There you go. All right. I got a question for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you, as a a nonprofit leader in our area, how have you... Uh, become more in tune to understanding how nonprofits can work together. Man, you're throwing me for a loop. So, you know, I think it's something that changes as we've come out of COVID. Opportunities for connection and collaboration have changed and there are new things that are coming up. And that's part of what our goal here is at Save the Nonprofits is to sort of uncover some of these conversations and start talking about the things that we all know are challenging us about board recruitment, about board engagement, about volunteer recruitment. These are things that we're all facing and not one of us has the golden ticket. And I think if we don't come together and communicate with one another and engage, then we are not helping our community, which is the whole point. I love that. Well, um, it's been a joy today to be a part of this with you. 
Thank you. And um, I, I would say that for my organization, Agape being the ED, I didn't even know ahead of time, but it's just, uh, it is exactly where it ought to be. It has become uh, a, just a lifetime dream to get to serve both an organization and the individuals in the community that as a non-counselor, I get to be the one that helps make the organization run that serves so many others. And then for my board work with uh, with the symphony, and I'm, I'm on a couple other boards too, it's my responsibility to allocate that time and the energy and to find the balance that it takes to do that, the dance you were discussing. Mm-hmm. But it has been a joy to me to uh, to get to know new people in the community that I never would have gotten to know otherwise. If you've got someone you'd like to recommend for board membership to any organization across our community, remind them it is a chance to grow as a person. Very well said. I want to thank you, Tom, for your leadership of Agape, your, your willingness to connect and collaborate and be a part of the nonprofit sector, and your leadership as a board member, because you are, you're wearing a lot of hats, and they're very important hats. And I know know, as a community, we're grateful to your board service and your willingness to step into those roles and be a part of more than just one agency. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for our next episode of Stay the Nonprofits. Come visit us at MidlandSS.org and find out more about Midland Shared Spaces. Special thanks to our partner, Recording Library of West Texas, for allowing us to record in their studio and working with us on this podcast.